We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Steven, great jump cut, 45 points. Nice a whole burst to it, 20. Nice steps to tackle, runs left, 25 still on his feet, 10. 46-yard goal by number 39. Running back, number 29, Eric Dickerson. Johnny Hecker, a high school quarterback, is going to throw. The fake is on it, he's got a first down to Stephen Bailey. Mike Jones made the tackle, and the Rams have won the Super Bowl. Super Bowl. Rams Talk Radio with Derek C. Apollo and Michael Stewart. Welcome to Rams Talk Radio. This is Derek C. Apollo with my co-host, my partner in crime, former Los Angeles Rams offensive back Michael Stewart, and we are here to preview the Cardinals and the Rams and also make fun of Turf Show Times because I can't help myself. I really just can't. I'm sorry. People will say it's not professional. But when you write an asinine article like this, you deserve to get destroyed. And we're going to do that. Asinine. That's just, a, just <laughs> asinine. I mean, and we got Ed Smith coming up for believing Cardinals in five minutes. So the asinine part of the discussion will come after that. And this may wind up being like an epically long podcast because I don't know how we can reserve this for an hour or less. Honestly, my gosh, by the time. Ed gets through with reviewing the Cardinals with us. Who knows? And maybe by then I won't be so like wound up, Mike. But you read the article. My gosh. Are we serious? He's speechless. Mike's speechless. He's not even saying. I'm looking at his face right now. Mike's just sitting there shaking his head with a smile. Mike, <laughs> jump in here. Help me well, out. I, you know, it, it's, it's good to, to get some of this. Uh, Interesting reading for fodder. So I am going to reserve a little bit of my thoughts uh, for, I guess, our second half. Uh, But 
I think we've hit on some some things in regards to the article. It and not playing, you know, his elbow, things like that. But at the end of the day, it's still only two games. How much can we really evaluate? Again, my opinion is if guys aren't playing in the preseason, it's going to take them three, four games to get up to what NFL game speed is like. And then I think after three or four games, we can settle into maybe some more astute evaluations i mean and and there's been a lot of today player movement so hopefully by the time you're listening to us you have already listened to the episode that steve and john recording because there's been so much player movement and i don't think people realize how hurt this rams team is you got a ton of injuries and when you and i both had them at 12 and 5 that was when we were talking about a team that was healthy they're not healthy yeah there are a lot no. of injuries in the secondary and on the offensive line, which is the part of this article. And the article itself, I'm, I can't, I have to read the headline. <laughs> Ed's coming in two minutes, so we're going to pause it. But the headline of the article yeah. is, here we go. The, the headline of the article is, where'd it go? I lost it. See, this is my day. This is my day. I got it. Here it is. There we go. Is Matthew Stafford turning the Rams into the Detroit Lions by J.B. Scott? Okay, now for the record, a lot of our buddies used to work over at Turf Show Times back before they got rid of all the California rides and all the pretty much all the pretty much all the rides they had there. So if you are a former TST writer. None of the none of this is none of what we talk about later on is towards you. This is about the current iteration of Turf Show Times, and I mean JB, man, come on, you got to do better than this. Gotta, gotta. But before we get there, folks, want to tell you head head over to Apple Music, leave a review. We really appreciate it. And also, here's a word from our sponsor. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. All right, so time to bring in Ed Smith. From Believe in Cardinals has also a Saturday morning radio show, which I may be a guest on this weekend. We'll find out if I'm going to be there or not. But he has been one of my favorite guests. And and honestly, as a former NFL player himself, he has he brings his own perspective and he has his own feelings on this game. And we may see how our predictions differ. So let me bring in Ed here and get him on board with the conversation and see what he's got to say. So, here we go. Out of curiosity, are you nervous about this game at all? Of course I'm nervous. Are you nervous? Nervous? Yeah. You nervous? Oh, uh, I don't yeah, know if I'm, I'm nervous, nervous. Nervous, but <laughs> I'm, I'm, a, I'm a little concerned. A little concerned? <laughs> Ed, are you, are you here with this bud? Well, yes, sir, I'm here. <laughs> all right, folks. Again, have Ed Smith from the Believe in Carl's Podcast. Also, his own radio show. A very good radio show. One that I've been a guest on. Again, I have to mention, hat in the back here. Um, <laughs> check it out on Saturday mornings. He'll talk to you about that. Ed, I, we were just discussing about some of the injuries the Rams have and so on and so forth and, and how I just for pre-talk, you and I have some different views on the game. So let me first ask you, after two weeks, Cardinals were one and one. Man, how, how are they looking for you? Very easily could be 0-2, Derek. We dodged the big bullet. Last week, I don't know what the Raiders were thinking. They jumped up 20 to nothing on us. And whatever their game plan was in the second half, I don't know. But the Cardinals, had they did have to come back and take that game uh, from the Raiders. You know, a couple balls bounced the right way, some questionable calls, et cetera, et cetera. But at 1-1, one and one, you know, totally different vibe than the 0-2. Uh, uh, you know, not really up on – Everything that's going on with the offense right now seems like Kingsbury's just kind of winging it, or he doesn't have that concise plan because he was saved by Murray in that runaround last year. I haven't seen too many people extend the play for 16 seconds plus, and that's exactly what happened. But you know, we'll see what the game plan is moving forward here against the Rams. It's got to be a lot better than what we've seen the first two weeks on both sides of the ball, though. Now, are you what? What has you concerned? Uh man. First, our running game. We did pick it up in the second half of that game last week. I, like just you know, established a great running game to this point. And then obviously, Connor's a little dinged 
going into this second, uh, this third week. So we'll see how, you know, he is uh, our protection of Murray has been spotty. Uh, you know, the, like I said, the game plan I'm a little worried about has been a lot of horizontal passing versus, you know, getting the ball up the field. Um, and then defensively, you know, we're, we're strapped on the cornerback, uh, in the cornerback room and edge rusher. So it's a combination of we haven't been able to get any pressure on anybody. No sacks in game one. We had one sack against the Raiders. It was on the second play of the game. That was the last time we sacked their car. And as far as holding up on the outside edges, you know, anybody's been able to have their way to, for the most part, you know, because like I said, we're our, our corner of our secondary is extremely depleted. So there's so many holes on this team. We'll figure out how they plan to, uh, you know, fill those moving forward. But yeah, like I said, I have a, a lot of concern when it comes to both sides of the ball right now. Mike. So, Ed, uh, good to see you, man. Uh, question I have is simply, uh, and this goes back to myself, you know, I got to play against a guy named Randall Cunningham, and one of the fears we had of playing against a guy like that is his ability to move around, extend plays. Uh, it looks like Kyler along a little bit with La- Lamar Jackson. They're now trying to seem like follow the script of being a pocket passer. What? How do you feel about Kyler's regarding extending plays and actually using that to his advantage as opposed to what he looked like last week? He wanted to just try to throw from the pocket for about the first three or so quarters. And to me, why take away one of your best weapons when you've played baseball? So that should be a clear advantage. What's your thoughts on that? Well, great questions, Mike. Good to see you too, man. Uh, you know, I'm almost a little curious as to what, like with Murray, we know the last couple of years he's been dinged toward the end of the season. And there's, you know, there's talk out here from time to time about how much he doesn't like to be hit and, you know, the fear of being hurt and stuff like that. And also, we also have to remember he's a small dude out there, man, amongst some giants that are literally coming to get him. So maybe he's a little trepidatious about running out there in all those weeds, you know. But, but honestly, that is the only way, in my opinion, or the biggest way I should say, he's going to continue to be successful in this league is using his legs. That, that, yeah, that's such a valuable tool. And we saw that in every possible way this past game against the Raiders. When you put him in a pocket and you allow teams to zero, on it, zero in on him and know where he is, he's so much – uh, less effective. Then all of a sudden, it was almost like street ball last week when we got to the latter parts of the game when he's just, it was it was almost like, and you both of you know this, playing a video game, you got the turbo button, and mm-hmm. man, you hit that turbo button, and you're good for about five or seven seconds. It seems like his is a little longer term, but like when he when he decides to get out there and run and use that part of his game, he's, I'm not going to say indefensible, but man, he makes it so tough on uh, a defense. And I, I I would hope that Kingsbury would continue to try to use that, maybe get him under center a little more so he can use bootlegs and misdirection and things like that because constantly going out of the shotgun just kind of limits it. But, man, he is such a weapon when he decides to uh, turn those jets on for sure. So how does, how does Kyler match up with the Rams? front seven there when you're talking about we see we've seen what happens has happened in the past 
It's a little bit different in front seven yeah. now. You're seeing a little bit different from him thus far this year with the offensive line. So currently, the present version of Kyler Murray and his offensive line against the Rams front seven, how do you see it? Well, Derek, you saw what happened last year on your playoff run, What how they decided to attack him. You know, it's all with, with going after Kyler is all about lane discipline, meaning your outside edgers, they have to be very conscious about making sure they work up the field to contain him, keep him in the pocket. Then with, you know, your interior rush, if you can get some type of push, he doesn't like to step up into the pocket because of his small stature. Everything gets blurry up in there for him. But if you can keep him in that pocket, not allow him to get outside on your edges, which then breaks everything down, including your secondary, because they're worrying about him getting out there in the run. If you can keep him in that pocket, I mean, you've got a fair chance against him. And I'm pretty sure that your defensive staff is looking at the way you guys attacked him last year or earlier this year, I should say, for the playoff game. Different personnel, we know that, but the same approach to be kind of managed. And if, like I said, if you can start getting guys up into his lap and, you know, and keeping the contain on the outside, you have a much better chance of uh, defending him. If you allow him to, to sprint outside or find lanes in different ways, meaning outside of the pocket, that's when he's going to cause you a lot of troubles. Mike? Ed, I had a uh, another question. This might be a little bit off the road, if you will. It's not directly related to football on one hand. One of the things that uh, I remember most, you know, being on a team sport is the camaraderie and the togetherness that guys have within a team structure. What's it been like with the whole uh, – addendum that was in the contract then they took it out and the steady in film how does that seem like has it actually died down uh and or is this still some residual hangover they've done their best job at keeping that all under wraps um it after everything happened and then they took it away it was about a couple weeks obviously it was a national story it was something that almost unexplainable and then just like that it kind of went away and i'm not sure what the residual is mike it just seems like they've kind of swept it under the rug and you know the the best cologne of all is winning a football game obviously they had to get through the preseason with all the noise and everything like that but now that the season has started they've kind of put that behind them i'm i'm sure his results on the field because that was an issue you know, weeks and months ago, every time something happens where it looks like he's either ill-prepared, like week one against the Chiefs, he didn't have a great game, but nobody on the, the Cardinals had a great game that first time out. So it's always going to be an issue if he gives them something to, I guess, relate it back to. But otherwise, I mean, it was almost it's almost like, you know, between ownership and himself and coaching staff, they just kind of like swept it on the rug like it never happened. How they did that, I will never know because you would imagine a story like that would just linger, linger, linger. But they've done a good job of just kind of moving on from it, and hopefully nothing happens where we have to revert back to it on a continued basis. Well, I mean, sit with him now, and, and, and you talk about how he didn't look prepared week one, had his issues with week two, going week three. In the overall matchup here with Carlos and Rams, you're looking at two teams that are both hurt. I mean, you mentioned some of the injuries in, in your secondary. The Rams have injuries all over the place. Um, 
How does this matchup really look to you? What are your three keys to the game for success for the Cardinals, especially? Well, my three keys, one, I, I think I mentioned they have to run the ball. Uh, don't get away from that too soon. Don't let this game turn into, you know, and, and, and along that same line, have to get off to a better start. In the Chiefs game, first three uh, uh, possessions by the Chiefs, touchdown, touchdown, touchdown. Against the Raiders, we were down 20 to nothing at the half, which means we technically weren't in either one of those games. The first one we got blown out, second one we made that miraculous comeback. We cannot spot you guys two and three touchdowns or 20-point leads because we'll never, in my opinion, once like lessons are learned, you guys almost learned a lesson against the Falcons last uh, week. I'm not necessarily turning off the gas, but something just wasn't quite clicking. That's a, that's a, a valuable and good lesson to win when you win a game. I'm sure you guys won't make the same mistake if you're up on this. Um, so our, our goal is not to fall behind, continue with the running game somehow, at least make it something that your defense has to respect. And then on the other side of the ball, we just have to get after um, Stafford a little bit and almost force him into making some of those, I won't call them bonehead plays, but ones where you scratch your head. And right now I think he's sitting at four touchdowns, five interceptions. We have to go after him and make him give us a one or two, uh, you know, maybe even deep in your territory to get us an easy score. So, you know, it's going to be the turnover game, a little bit of, uh, you know, not necessarily clock management, but make sure we hold and protect the ball, run it, and, you know, take our shots when we can down the field. Now, definitely, uh, Ed, you guys have some bona fide people on the offense. You got Zach Ertz, a truly uh, 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 talented tight end. I think if he puts together a couple more years like he did his early time in Philly, you know, he may be one of those guys that can make it in that Hall of Fame. Obviously, you got A.J. Green, a solid veteran receiver. Looks like he still has a lot left in the tank, along with uh, Marquise Brown. Uh, and then you got James Conner at the running back. Now, the Rams showed there could be some holes a little bit in the defense, some younger guys playing in the secondary. Obvious Jalen Ramsey. I don't know what he's doing out there sometimes if he thinks he's Jalen Ramsey that no one's going to throw to him. <laughs> but do you see that being a little bit of an advantage for the Cardinal offense when you have some new guys on our side getting banged up? And then you do have some bona fide weapons at the offensive side. Absolutely, Mark. It is one of those things where I'm – our our passing game sometimes confuses me. I'm not, you know, we tend to be, be a horizontal passing team. And what I mean by that, you, you watch, we'll throw the ball from sideline to sideline, a lot of bubble screens, a lot of things at the line of scrimmage, rather than, like you said, going up the field and exploiting that vertical, you know, trying to get Ertz up the middle of the field, get him a couple catches. Uh, I think it was in the Chiefs game. He didn't catch his ball first ball till late third or fourth quarter, and that just can't happen. You got those type of weapons, you need to get them out there and use them. You know, I know A.J. Green is up in age a little bit, but like you said, he's still got some gas in the tank. And the thing I like about A.J. is he's a dude that sometimes you can just throw it up because of his size, let him go up and compete for a ball. It doesn't seem like we do that enough with him. I do know Kyler is missing that security blanket of uh, a hop D hop right now because that's the dude that no matter where we are on the field, there are times when – you know, Kyler might be under pressure. He knows the vicinity of D-Hop. He'll just toss it up to him 
and let him go up and make one of those miraculous plays. I'm not sure if he's had that time to develop that relationship with some of the younger guys and even with Marquise Brown because they didn't play at all in the uh, preseason. So maybe they're still all trying to work that out. But definitely this is a situation just like on the flip side. I'm sure you guys are looking at our secondary and thinking we can exploit this. I think it's all relevant on establishing the run first, making everybody respect that. Then take your shots over the top and in the deep middle portion of that field. But definitely we got enough weapons to make it happen if we so choose to and can do it effectively. So let me go kind of a wider scope question. question. You know, for the most part, the Rams have had the Cardinals number. And we saw a Cardinals team just demolish the Rams early last year and then fall apart the next two times out, especially that playoff game. What have the Cardinals done since then to really kind of shift things for them when dealing with opposing NFC West teams like the Rams, ones who maybe have had the number? You know, Sean McVay's had Cliff's number. So what do you guys say? We were talking about that on our podcast earlier or yesterday, Derek, and I, it's, First, I'll answer your first question. What have we done to improve or, you know, I guess, take, get us ready for this tough NFC West? We haven't done much of anything. We're coming back with the same team you saw last year, including our, uh, you know, backup quarterbacks. We didn't do a whole lot in free agency. We didn't do a whole lot in the draft. We lost Chandler Jones, which obviously makes us a little weaker in the uh, interior of our uh, defense. Um, the one thing that I see, we talked about this yesterday, was Kingsbury's, I guess McVeigh is considered Kingsbury's mentor because obviously he came from his tree. And it almost seems to me sometimes like Kingsbury is a little intimidated by, by McVeigh when it comes to game planning against him. And he almost goes to the extreme of, well, I got to beat my master. So I got to come try to come up with all these exotic stuff or maybe getting out of my tendencies and i think he overthinks it and meanwhile mcveigh is just being his normal creative self has the game plan prepared and then he's also ready to make adjustments kingsbury man it almost looks like he's nervous sometimes when he's playing against mcveigh and as a head coach you got all these decisions to make and at the snap of you know the drop of a dime and you got to be uber prepared and i just think sometimes he's not quite ready to match wits with uh, McVeigh, and maybe, quite honestly, he might never be ready to do that. And for some reason, like I said, McVeigh has his number. We'll see how it all plays out this time around. But in my opinion, man, that's one of the edges that I don't think a lot of people are talking about, the coaching matchup and the ability to make the adjustments on the fly and come in with that game plan that's, you know, buttoned up like nobody's business. So, that might be the edge that you guys have in this matchup that a lot of people aren't even like talking about. It's kind of weird you're saying well, it, that. It, it's weird because I remember I'm reminded of Mike of how shopping phase with Kyle Shanahan. That's what comes to mind. Shanahan gives yeah, all kinds of problems. Yeah. For some reason it seems like we the Cardinals it seems like we the Cardinals have the Niners number a little bit. You guys have ours mastered, and uh, the 49ers, it seems like they have yours. It's like a mismatch of, you know, good teams or head coaches that 
cannot figure this particular guy out. Well, it's interesting you say that. One of the things that I think is still a question is out on Kingsbury is, was he and is he ready to really be NFL head coach when you're talking about putting everything together, managing players, dealing with the front office, prepping, you know, against other bona fide uh, minds in the game? The question to me is one of the things I look for is when coaches are on the sideline and they have their play call sheet. You'll see some that it looks like they have every situation imaginable. You know, myself being a head coach, yeah, you can come up with that, but you got too many. Okay, this is what we're going to do. First and 10, left hash. First and 10, middle. First 10, right hash. First eight plus. You know, I mean, you can put down everything. It looks like uh, – Coach Kingsbury has a heck of a lot of plays, and he's looking and he's turning when you think of, well, there's a guy who's coached the system. It would seem like he would have just Florida game, boom, we can hit him with that, hit him with this. What do you what do you make of that as far as overall? What is your feeling on his aptitude as far as overall coaching in the NFL? That is a great assessment, Mike, and that's one thing I've been talking about uh, even the other day. This is his fourth year, and when you're in your fourth season, it, you would think, hey, I've, you're, I'm starting to really get this. Kingsbury still looks like he's trying to figure it out four years into the job, and one of the things that's most notable, he always seems like he's coaching for that particular play. Like he's, and, and you know this, Mike, and you've watched enough football too, Derek, as a head coach, you got to be two and three, four plays ahead mm-hmm. with an answer for X, Y, and Z. And that sheet should already be keyed up and you should be ready to go. You can't be trying to figure it out within those 40 seconds from play to play. And I think that's still where he is. He's still trying to – and here's the thing. I tell people this all the time. Every great coordinator is not meant to be a head coach. Just because you're great at coordinating – and you brought up an interesting thing when you were asking the question, Mike. Not, you're no longer just a coordinator of the offense. You have to manage and be the CEO of the entire franchise. And that means watching over the offense, watching over what's going on on the defense side, special teams, timeouts. You have to be have your hand on every single one of these things. And I don't think he's he's not quite there yet. And we always joke about how it looks like he's almost fumbling his fingers over there when the when it's crunch time, he's just trying to figure it out. And you can tell he's got those papers are just, you know, shivering in his hand. And like I said, you got to be a little more, little, you know, further along the road. You can't be trying to figure it out in those 40 seconds. And I'm, I'm curious, you know, they gave him that big extension, but how long do you let this project go if it continues on this path? Well, real quick, I know you want to jump in, Derek. Uh, I don't know if I saw something and making more of it than I did, but I think it was right before the end of the first half. They had a timeout. Kyler walked over. Then he just turned around and walked by while he was still talking. I don't know. Did you catch <laughs> that? I didn't, I didn't catch that one, but it wouldn't surprise me at all. It would not surprise me at all. There you go. That's <laughs> it all. I, I, I guess I want to tra- I'm just going to transition right now because I think I'm getting the sense as to why you, 
you know, when you and I were kind of corresponding beforehand, we kind of gave each other our predictions <laughs> and, and I was surprised at your pick. And I, maybe now I'm kind of understanding why you're making the pick you're making. So <laughs> go ahead here, lay it out. Who do you think wins this game and why? I think the master comes in here again. I think, you know, you mentioned injuries are uh, the great equalizer in this league, both teams. And it's, you know, it's funny. It's, uh, after week one, nobody's 100% healthy. We all know that. Uh, it seems a little early for the extent of the amount of injuries, mm. especially for both teams, because nobody played in the preseason. It's like, how the hell is everybody getting hurt? <laughs> this is even second game. But, but that's neither here nor there, okay? I, but Mike, you and I, we remember a day, man, when training camp was a really training camp. And if you survived it, it was like, okay, you know, God, yeah. So for me, this comes down to uh, talent-wise, we can hang with just about anybody in the NFL. I'm not quite sold on the preparation of this team yet. I've said to uh, my radio partner, Jay, the first month of the season for the Cardinals is going to be like preseason. Because not only did we not play anybody in the preseason, our practices, from what I understand, were like Camp Cupcake. So these guys are literally just kind of, you know, getting into this. This will be week three, basically a training camp for us. And with that being said, I just don't think our offense is up to speed right now. We got so lucky in that pass game, very easily could be 0-2. I pick, we, you know, we did our pregame pick of this, uh, or the season, Jay and I, and I had this as a loss, uh, uh, you know, out the box, just because of not just what you guys did to us, in the playoffs last year, but I don't think we solved the problems of what you guys did to us. Now, if you guys come in here and get a running game going, Stafford protects the ball, a little play action, this, that, and the other, uh, Aaron Donald should have a field day with our offensive line that is still trying to figure each other out, how to protect Kyler, where his long zones are from, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, he could be running for his life, not just for 16 seconds, but for a whole quarter, for a whole half, I mean, or game. So with that being said, I just think you guys come in here uh, a little more ball control as long as Stafford doesn't, you know, muck it up. And I just think you guys get a victory and as far as score. I'm looking something like 20. I'm, I'm not saying it's going to be a blowout. I'm thinking something like 27, 23 Rams. Mike, did you see my reaction there when he, when he talked about that? Yep. Because we've had that same <laughs> conversation about preseason. They didn't play at all this preseason. And – and I, the thought that's kind of crossed my mind was maybe they're getting hurt because they didn't play preseason. Maybe they're getting hurt because they didn't have any of that. I'm telling you. I mean, maybe it's going. I know the Rams got a Super Bowl last year with this method, but when you got new guys stepping into roles, I'm at least going to question it. And if you don't, if you're not taking those, if you're not toughening the body during the preseason the way you should be. Maybe that's why all these people are getting hurt. And it's not just the Rams or the Cardinals, man. There's a lot of injuries in the league right now. Steelers playing the ninth out TJ Watt, for example. Yeah, yeah. Mike, throw me in there, man. There is a lot. I, I definitely, you know, again, all the old school days where it was two days, no matter what, you were going to have camp and veterans were going to play, you know, up to three quarters into that third game because the idea was we'll give you a little time off the week before, but we need you to be game ready. But I definitely agree. You hitting on something big there, DC, that I think the lack of banging and then you get to now the season where that tempo turn, tunes up 
uh, and your body, your mind, your little step slow. Oh, pull the hammy. Oh, I actually got my knee caught up in there because I wasn't reacting as quick <laughs> uh, because the speed has increased. My question, Big Ed, is this. Obviously, we ended up winning one, two games at home. Uh, you don't feel that being now back at home, this home game doesn't play a little bit to an advantage. Uh, I haven't been to the new stadium, uh, but how how is the 12th man or the home crowd when you're playing at home? You know, and that's a great question. We we are notorious. Now, you got to remember, this is our second home game already. The Chiefs came in here and went in our refrigerator and took all our food, man, and made them <laughs> comfortable and, and basically just, you know, didn't even ask. They just came and took whatever they wanted. Um, our crowds are different than a, oh no, I say this, you guys out in LA deal with this too, where mm-hmm. it's not even somewhat a, a home field advantage, the stadium sometimes, because you'll particularly, you know, some games, you know, our fans are really good about wanting to make a little extra money and giving them seats away. That's exactly what our people do. 50, 50 crowd or some, yeah, you guys deal with the same thing. So it eliminates the the home home field advantage, you know, depending on who's coming in here. Like, I remember we played the Packers last year. Oh, my God, you would have thought it was a Packer. You would have thought we were in Wisconsin, man. It was it was unbelievable. So it does not always – being at home does, does not always mean you're you, – you got the home crowd behind you. So, you know, that's something we'll see uh, come uh, Sunday. It'll be interesting. Because we'll, I always do keep an eye on that, too. I take a look and see as they pan the, 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 the uh, stadium. I always look to see, in this case, how much uh, yellow and blue is actually going to be in there. But you'd be surprised how much there might be, which, like I said, eliminates that home field advantage. One thing I've I've learned over time, and Tommy comes on our show a lot and will tell you, like, people are being priced out in California, and they have been for a long time. They're paying. They they sell tickets to two of their games, and that's going to pay their season tickets. So... You know, two or, three, yeah, yeah. two or three games they sell those tickets for. And guess what? They got their season tickets next year. You can buy all the parking. And people forget, like, especially <laughs> for the Rams fan base, for 22 years, they went to sports bars every Sunday and watched the games from there. And they got used to that. That's how all these booster yeah, clubs yeah. build up out in L.A. So, you know, when people make fun of like, the Rams crowds, it's something similar that, like, listen, we're already used to watch these games on TV. We'll go make some cash to be able to pay our bill, <laughs> pay our bills. And, you know, I can see the same thing happening in Arizona, that same kind of concept where, you know, these going, man, I'm telling you, NFL games are not cheap anymore. They're too expensive. And yeah, in these, these markets like LA, Phoenix, so on and so forth, you're going to see fans getting priced out. And this is what happens. That's just, Another thing, we're a transient city too, where a lot of our our uh, population here they're from cold places like Minnesota, you know, Wisconsin, New York, New Jersey. They bring their fandom for their team out here with them. We don't have a, a ton of. We have a, a nice base of people who were born and raised here, became Cardinals fans out the womb, and they've always loved the team. But a lot of people are here, and the Cardinals are an afterthought because they still hold allegiance to their team from wherever they were born and raised all right right, so it is time for us to get you out of here man thanks so much you spent a half hour with us we really appreciate your time as always can you let folks know where to find you yeah man they can catch me on uh uh 
let me see, was it um, Instagram and Twitter and all that? At Ed Smith Speaks. <laughs> Poor Ed, man. Ed, Ed your used. brain is fried, man. You're like, I'm, not, I'm done. You guys got me. Hey, we, you got the show. The Easy Sports Talk show is on KDUS 1060 AM out here every Saturday from 10 AM to noon uh, Arizona time. You've been on that show many a time. Love mm-hmm. you coming on. We do the Believe in the Arizona Cardinals podcast. You can catch that on the Believe platform, or you can go to the Easy Sports Talk uh, show website, or you can catch that on Sirius XM as well. And if you want to keep continue to follow me, I've uh, had the website, Ed, Ed Smith Speaks, updated recently. we got a whole bunch of things for the radio show, et cetera, et cetera, on there as well, man. And it's always fun to be on with you, brother. And thanks so much, and I'm sure we'll talk again this year. We always do. Yes, sir. And great to see you and great to meet you, Mike. Hey, man, good seeing you, Ed. Keep up the good work, my friend. Thanks. You too, bro. All right, so that was Ed Smith from the Believe in Cardinals podcast. His show, like, if you ever get a chance to watch his show, like, it's he's on, he's on Facebook that Sunday morning, Sunday afternoon. I mean, sorry, Saturday morning. It's it's a good show. It really is. It does a good job with it. So that leaves us. You've heard our preview. By the way, I have the Cardinals winning. Um, I think I tend to think like I remember that first game of the year last year. The Cardinals came in here and boat raced the Rams. Um, the Rams in this game they have a lot of things going on. Offensive line is is right now worse in the league at preventing um, penetration from defensive line. Two running backs first hit. That's a bad sign. I think that is, you know, I think it's a major problem, honestly. So, you know, that's why I have the Rams dropping this one. I didn't at first. I, it, Mike, I didn't at first. You remember our prediction? I had this one to win. Um, I'm changing my mind just because just where the team is right now. And I think Ed may be, may be underselling the fact that, man, the Cardinals did put it together. In that second half. And they did. We saw what they're capable of. And a lot of times teams feed off that. And they bring that forward. And now's the time to do that. When you're playing a Rams team that's that's hurting. And there's a lot of questions about them. I think this is the time now where, you know, if they're going to get a win, this is it. Because eventually the Rams will figure it out. They're, there's, there are very few players on the roster that are out all, all year. They're going to get healthier, hopefully. Fingers crossed. So, yeah. oh, you yeah. know. They're going to figure it out. This is still a playoff team. I don't know about a Super Bowl team this year or not, but they are a playoff team. They're and they're a defending Super Bowl champion, so they're going to figure these things out. Just when, when, and yeah, I mean, and you're 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 talking about overall consistency across the board, and so you know, again, I think we agree. You know, the lack of playing in preseason is showing up. Whether it's, you know, guys being in the right place. Uh, I just always look at tackling because tackling is definitely something that you get better at over time, you know, because your timing is better. Week three, week four, week five, not so much, maybe week one and two. Now you couple that with no preseason game. Again, with the speed elevating another level, it's the real season. These all count now. You know, obviously, even back in the day, you're still trying to make the team and do all that stuff. But you also know it's still preseason and you got a 16 game at that time Mm -hmm. game schedule. 
Now, if you're just trying to get through and, you know, there's a lot of limits even during the week, how much you can practice, how much full pad. That was never questioned back way back when. You might be practicing full pads on a Friday if the coach felt like you guys or we weren't doing what's right. So now with all the things to help player safety, I think that's a great benefit. But Derek, I think you are a man before your time. I agree with the idea that your body has to get enough of that bang. And then when you're not, I definitely believe that's contributing to the rash injuries across the board in the league. I mean, it's a balance you have to find. It. And, I, and then we're in a new era of football. We are a new era in the sport. It continually evolves, especially after COVID, that you have to kind of measure where you want to be. And I think I think the Rams got it right last year with, with the roster they had. And this year, it's not working the same. And you're going. I mean, that is something that each staff in the league has to figure out over time goes on. You do have to bang some. How much of these guys bang in camp? We don't know because we weren't there. We know they didn't bang in games. That's what we do know, and, and that's problematic in <laughs> itself. I mean, we're fine, you know. And again, this I have faith. They deserve benefit of the doubt, though. They have earned it. It's a Super Bowl champion franchise now. They've earned benefit of the doubt, and I do believe they'll figure it out. But, I mean, every franchise is going to pay the price one way or the other at this point. we got injuries all over the place, and Rams are showing it. So we are running out of time, but we are not leaving without going back to our lead-in today. And that is this assessment of, Matthew Stafford, I'm referring to the article that was over at Turf Show Times. Um, I, I don't have a problem with Turf Show Times. I do think the writers that we knew there before, um, quite frankly, did a better job. Um, because you didn't find stuff like this. You found some good work, some not so good work, and you're going to find that in any writing outlet. But I, I don't know how you can go there with an article like this. And what I mean is you have the article title is Matthew Stafford turning the Rams into the Detroit Lions. And just to quickly summarize it, author J.B. Scott basically kind of makes an argument that, that, you know, Stafford, the team is, is falling into this, same situation where the Lions were, where they didn't run the football. Okay. Um, and he seems to put the onus on the The Stafford's the connection here, right? Stafford's the connection. And this is on him. I mean, that's what he seems to be doing. The article kind of just dances around a little bit by giving this main point of this. these are the actual numbers, which I think if you give the actual numbers, you could understand that as well. Um but even the headline, the implication is it's Matthew Stafford's fault. It's Matthew Stafford's fault that the Rams don't have a running game. No, I'll tell you whose fault is the Rams don't have a running game. They don't pay their offensive line because they paid everybody else. You get what you pay for in the NFL. And if you got a bunch of young offensive linemen, you aren't running the football. Don't tell and and people will blame Cam Akers, by the way, or uh Dale Henderson. Uh those are both good football players who will, who can run for a thousand yards in this league. This is an offensive line issue. This is not a Matthew Stafford issue. This, to me, it's 
And by the way, I mean, hold on, by the way, on Twitter, these guys got ratioed. They got ratioed for this. So, Mike, I know you're talking a bit. I had to kind of lay that out. And, you know, you had a reaction when you saw this article as well. So take it away, good sir. <laughs> well, my thing is, uh, there's so many things that can be talked about on each way. I think this is the perfect example of if, let's say, you were what was considered a class clown in high school. All the people that went to high school with you probably are going to always remember you as the class clown. Now, you may be a astute businessman uh, doing very well, but when people see you, they're going to be like, oh, man, you remember what you did back then. I think that's a little bit more of what this article is about, that you see a guy that was in Detroit. Again, he ran into similar situation and maybe there could be some comparisons. If you feel you don't have a line that's going to protect you, yeah, maybe you revert back to some things that happened back then. But I just think it's one of those things of it's too early in the season. I think a lot of it has to be laid at the foot of the coaching staff and however they decide who's playing, who's not playing, because you got to build up that timing and consistency in the preseason so you're ready to go in the season. Again, I think if we get into game three, four, and things really have improved, we're going to have some issues, and then you might be able to start, I guess, maybe making those comparisons. But we all know it doesn't matter. If you get after Tom Brady, he's not going to look like the guy back there dicing you up when he has plenty of time. I mean, I'm going to be honest. If Tom Brady was behind this offensive line right now, he would be a train wreck too. Uh, exactly. I, I mean, I but I think, and I understand what you're saying. I'm not disagreeing with you, but you know, people want to say, you know, he's saying is Matthew Stafford turned the Rams into Detroit Lions. The Detroit Lions were awful for much of his time there. They would have been a ton worse if he wasn't there. And you talk to any Detroit Lions fan, they'll tell you that. Okay, he elevated a team that off that did not provide a running game that provided a very unbalanced roster to sometimes crappy roster and at least kept them in games and against teams like the Packers every year. So to say, to imply, is Matthew Stafford turning the Rams? No. Listen, two things are turning the Rams into, quote, the Detroit Lions, which are not, by the way. At your front office, who is choosing to re- who chose to rely on a very very young offensive line, a very low paid offensive line, and your coaching staff who said these guys made the team. That's not on Matt Stafford. Now Matt Stafford throwing, throwing making a bad throw, that's on him. Intercepts, that's on him. Okay, but trying to say the Rams are are is he trying to imply that that's where he's going with it? He didn't make those decisions. If anything, I'm Matthew. St- if I'm Matthew Stafford, I'm ticked off. The Rams didn't provide him a better offensive line this year, where he feels like he has to make throws that he shouldn't have to make. He should be able to rely on a running game that gets him four yards a pop. His offensive line should not be giving up the most hits for the back of the back of anybody else in the league. I mean, 
why are why are we sometimes so ready to put the blame on a quarterback or another player, whether it be a running back or receiver, when I mean it should fall back on our GM. We will praise uh, we'll, we'll praise our head coach. We'll we'll praise Sean McVay for leading the team the promised land. We'll praise Leslie for his shrewd deals. But these guys make mistakes too, don't they? No, no general manager head coach makes every right decision. And the team made the decision to pay the stars, extend the stars. Right. They chose not to pay the men in the trenches, well, at least right. on the offensive line side. That was their decision, and you will. Always take medicine somewhere. <laughs> right. And so this is what's crazy to me, uh, Derek. And again, my thing is let's get to the end of the year and do some look back, connect the dots that way. Then you may be able to have a have a true uh real evaluation. But as we're going through, knowing that the issues that you just alluded to and spoke of. You got to put that into the equation. What's crazy to me is there's a Twitter tweet or whatever through two games and it has a stat, Matthew Stafford, one and one, Jared Goff. It's this comparison with Jared Goff. Why would we do that? Who, who would do that after two games? Why would you put Jared Goff, man, compare Matthew Stafford to Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady or something? Why would you try to compare him to Jared Goff? Because right now he's thrown six TDs, one interception, passer rating of 110. Uh, Matthews is at 81 or 82. Why would you make that a comparison? Like those are real numbers that are going to stay that way for the duration. Help me out. I mean, it seems it's just silly to me. You know, if you want to, how about this? You make a Jared Goff comparison. And again, I like Goff, and I'm happy for him out right. there in Detroit. But if you want to make a comparison, Matt Stafford has a Super Bowl ring. Goff doesn't, despite playing for the same offense for the same head coach at one point or another. But and Derek Goff has been here how long? You don't have to do that, though. You really don't. You don't have to do any of that. Just you know, why do we have to? All right. <laughs> Why do we have to be idiots about some of the stuff? Why do we have to be out be out there making a comparison like this? It's nonsensical. Say what you mean. Yeah, I mean, but this is this is the world we live in, and the reason why I'm complaining about it is because we have a lot of knowledgeable Rams fans. You can, if you actually sit there and talk with a lot of Rams fans in the fan base, uh, there's a lot of, and that's why this this post got ratioed. Okay, I mean, it got ratioed pretty good. All right. And then we have some folks who think like this. And you're like, dear gosh, man, come on, guys. Get with this a little bit. Why? Because it's it's so simple-minded to try and make that comparison. It is. Like, you got to go deeper. Like, do you not see the fact that your team overall has 130, like, 130th rush, 130-ish rushing yards, 120-ish rushing yards through two games? Do we not see this? Do we not see that? Do we not see that you have an offensive line that's getting blown up? Especially in the running game. Passing game, I think, has been okay, at least last week. First week was horrifyingly bad in terms of pass protection. 
Right. We not see right. these guys aren't getting paid up front. You're not paying these guys. Why? There's cheap labor. It's what it is. You're not. But you, you don't have. You don't have Whitworth back there paying him money to be there. You have Dopeboom, who I think will be okay, but he's not Whitworth. So where's where's the sense here, man? I right have- again. Like the thing is, we're two games in. We got to look some things as reality. We have to look at some things. It's a result of certain decisions that have been made. Now, my position is you're a NFL offensive lineman. Go get your job done. I don't want to hear X, Y, and Z. You, you weren't this. No, you're in there. You're a starter. Don't get handled every play. If you get handled yeah. once, that's competition. But some of the stuff, some guys getting handled somewhat quite often, that's what you can't have. You know, and some of these guys have been here for a while, and we saw them get pushed around last year. I don't know about you. Maybe if I'm, a, if I'm in that position where I'm getting pushed around, I, I have, I'm going to be honest, I have some ego, man. Every athlete out there has some level of ego. You mean to tell me you didn't go in the gym this year and become an animal in there? Because you know you're stepping into big shoes. You're stepping into shoes. Right. Where shoes? You're stepping into shoes. And start, some of you are stars for the first time. I would be a flippant animal in the gym. And I would I mean, I, I'm serious. And it doesn't really seem that way. Getting bumped off the line like that, my gosh. That, that's, to me, problematic. But week two. Going to week three. Let's see how it goes. It is time for us to go. One Duke 23. That's where you're going to find Mike on Twitter. You're going to find me at DC Apollo. If you have some comments about this podcast, if you want to run to the defense of uh, this article, I don't care. Email us. Rams top nineteen forty four. I'm going to tell you right now. I'm not going to take time to respond on that one. I mean, this. I'm just not. I got. I I got stuff to do. So does Mike. So you can vent all you want, but there you go. Closing thoughts, Mike. You want to send us out? Anything else you want to say, man? I just want to say I can't wait till Sunday because, again, this will be week three, game three, playing on the road. Uh, Obviously, they're not going too far away. So uh, I'm interested to see how the guys are bouncing back. But as we say in the classroom right there, incremental change is positive. That's what I want to see. Get better. Yes, just get better, and hopefully they control enough of the clock to pull out the win. By the way, when I said I, I got them losing, it doesn't mean I hope I don't hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm dead wrong. Prove me wrong. I want them to be wrong because that means a 2-1 Rams team. I'll take that. All right, guys, we're out of here. We'll see you later. Have a great one. Later. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? 
Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.